Coming to you from 8122 Production Studios in the heart of the 607, this is Horror Zone 607. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can always join the conversation using hashtag HZ607. What's up, everybody? This is Horror Zone 607. I'm Mike C. I'm over in Studio 13. Right across town, let me just tell you, I've got the best co-host in the business, folks. He's across town. His idea of March Madness is saying the two favorite words in the English language, Oral and Roberts. He's my good friend, Rich. That is damn right. Only in America can Oral Roberts, a Christian school, break everybody's brackets. They destroyed mine in one fell swoop. I was going to say, uh, well, yours also was destroyed today by uh, a college yes. I never even heard of. What was that again? <laughs> so literally right before we went on the air, Loyola, Chicago, who went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. I don't really? know how much you watch of, of the tournament. I'm not a big um, uh, college basketball fan. Sorry. Uh, well, a couple of years ago, I think it was uh, – there wasn't a tournament last year. I don't know if it was two years ago or the year before that. Loyola, Chicago came out of nowhere. I think they were a 12 seed maybe or an 11 seed. And they went to the Final Four, and their big claim to fame is they're, they're, um, she, it's a nun. Her name is Sister Jean. Um, she was oh. with them, and they did like a lot of things. She kind of became like the, the story of the whole tournament. She's like, and, a, like 90-some uh, years old, right, or something like she that? She was then. She's 101. She's 101 I actually thought now? she had passed All away, right. but she was there. She's vaccinated. She was at the tournament. And uh, I had Illinois beating Gonzaga in the national championship. Yeah, well, and that's not going to happen. No, no. Second round, they're gone. But, so we got... So we got Oral Roberts, we got North Texas, we got Abilene Christian, and now Loyola Chicago knocked out. Listen, my no, now knowing this, this might be the run for Loyola Chicago. Is that how you say it? This well, yeah, they were run. saying that they think that this this is a better team talent wise than the team that went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. So, you, so what you're saying? There, what but. you're saying is that this could be their year. They're going to do it for the nun. That's awesome. For the nun, yes. For the which, nun. ironically enough, is. Uh, Getting back to horror, uh, I believe that she was actually the uh, the um, story behind the movie The Nun. Oh, really? Yes, yes. I, I think that maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I could be way. I, wrong. Would, I was going to say you're way. I think, she may have inspired it. I, I do want to say this though, and all joking aside, she I did see her on ESPN, so I knew what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, she seemed like a very lovely woman, and I'm yes, very and I'm very happy that she got vaccinated, and they still allowed her to come because originally they weren't going to allow anybody to come. So right. the fact that they got they got her there, I mean, listen, guys, uh, NCAA, my hands are off to you because I understand you have rules and procedures and everything to keep people safe. But honestly, the person you should probably worry about being safe more is her and give her give her something good, good to go out on. I mean, she's over 100 years old. How many more birthdays is she going to have, man? I know this could be the last the opportunity. Chaplain. I don't know if a nun can be the chaplain. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. I don't know how that works. Uh, maybe maybe she is. I mean, I, I'm not saying that. I, usually that's not how it works. But in the case of her being a super fan and it seems like she's a, the, the unofficial mascot, I yeah. feel like and she I feel like she's the heart and soul here. When you hear the players talk about how they love having her there, 
I feel like this was a great decision uh, for the NCAA. So I really applaud them because this, you know, it, it, I understand. Like I said, rules are rules, but there's sometimes you have to bend the rules. And these are circumstances, especially right now, you know, un- unfortunately in the world we live in, where you never know. This could be her last opportunity. And this is awesome that they right. got a win. Even though it busted your bracket, it is awesome that they got a win probably for her. And maybe they'll make a deep run. Who knows? I know. I was pulling for them, despite. I mean, I don't have any money on the line. Right. It was just a just an ESPN tournament that I filled out real quick. But yeah, my team's gone. But I was actually pulling for Loyola Chicago. They were fun to watch a couple of years ago. It's fun to see her reaction. She is a super fan. She actually lives in a dorm. Um, I believe in the same dorm that the uh, the, the basketball team lives in. And she's just she's a diehard fan. Seems like a very sweet lady. And uh, Hats off to them. Yeah. But, uh, I know, you know it's not horror-related, but hey, uh, sometimes you have to remind it's everybody there madness. is. But think, think about it. There's Sometimes you got to remind people. I mean, I guess if your bracket got busted, there's horror-related. But sometimes we just have to remember that there's nice, cool, and good things still in the world. So it's nice to talk about something uplifting like uh, this, this, this young woman, if you will. And, uh, you know, also fun to talk about, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's missing. We don't know. We don't know exactly listen, where he is. Let's not even joke. We do know where he is. He crawled, into the, the he, he is. crawled into the bottom of a brown bottle last night, a little too far, <laughs> and he was hung over. He's right now laying on his couch with his blankie and, 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 and nursing a hangover. I'm not even uh, conspicuous like, by his absence this week. I mean, I know I'm trying to make it, I, I know I'm trying to make it fun, but that is serious, folks. We're not even going to lie to you. We're not even going to lie to you until you he's we in a got kayak a in his living room or anything like that yeah we, we got a text message about an hour and a half before showtime uh sorry guys uh i'm gonna have to bail <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so so you not you, feeling too well listen you made you made your bed now you gotta lie in it we're gonna tell the world that you uh you were hung over that's yep. why you didn't show up you know hey i told you we were gonna make fun of him on the air so exactly priorities professor priorities <laughs> But we should have known he, your we should have known your priorities were out of whack when we still haven't gotten your the burning fucking uh, yeah. review, even though you were he, told about it. He assures us that he will be back in studio next week. I, I'm sure. I, I've suggested you, he that missed, he doesn't drink Saturday night, but listen, I'm going to tell you guys the real. I'm asking God truth. We do have a part two coming up in the second segment, but we were originally thinking about bumping it possibly and striking while the iron's hot because. Uh, Psycho Gorman is all over the place, and the professor was on top of that last week because he had seen yeah. it last week. He talked briefly about it. We, we were like, you know what? Maybe we'll watch it and do a review. Unfortunately, I didn't watch it, but now it gives me a week to watch it. But now we're going to be a week behind everybody else on reviewing it because the professor couldn't stop drinking. Yeah, he just, you know, my my sources tell me that somebody taped a bottle to each of his hands. And forced him to drink. Listen, last if night. he was if he was going to be Edward Forty Hands, then I'm all right with it. But <laughs> I doubt that highly. I doubt that uh, he, you know, he. But, but then again, the professor's kind of lightweight too, so he probably had like three drinks. It's that sassy little mustache that he's got. I don't it know. is. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think he thought these things through. Commitments, <laughs> professor. Commitments. That's all I'm saying. And I hope he hears this. But then again, he probably won't even listen. Because we well, know he doesn't do the review. Here, professor, uh, <laughs> we, we hope you feel better soon. We hope you feel better soon. Hopefully your mom uh, comes we're over. Up a collection. Hopefully you know. his mom comes over, rubs his back and his tummy, so you know makes him feel better of his hangover that he gave himself. And as soon as she leaves my house, I'll send her over to his oh, house. Oh, so. sick burns! The birds keep yeah. on coming. So, but uh, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna take up a collection for him. We hope that he's gonna survive, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. But rumor has it, and he assures us that he'll be back in studio next week. So. Well, if we'll not, if not I already told you. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a point of watching this movie because it's getting a lot of uh, steam. 
Yeah, he comes in last week and tells us that he watches that and slacks, and all of a sudden, both movies are blowing up all over the horror. I know, you know, horror website. For once, he's so, for once he was ahead of the curve on something, and then we really can't even take advantage of, of that, man. I'm very proud Son of, of him. a bitch. Very proud of him. And then he blew it by not coming in to the studio this week. Yeah, so. well, I always say that when we first announce him, we we say he's the smartest man in all of horror podcasting, and I always like to add <laughs> in the part until he opens his mouth. And like that's so it's give and take. He's always like so he was ahead of the curve, and then he dropped the fucking ball. So I mean, he there did. it is. I mean, I'm playing as plain as day. We're giving it to you raw, listeners. But in all honesty, I hope he gets all that alcohol out of his system and is able to return next week. We should probably make T-shirts or something like "Save the Professor." Save the Kinda Professor. Like Save ah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. We'll take up a collection. We'll have to call somebody a heartless wench. We know he's not cool enough to blow us off for Chicago Cubs preseason game. There yes, is. that's true. Well, I don't know. I don't know. He's been known to go to uh, baseball games and yell, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. So yeah, we'll un- see. Well, unfortunately, though, he he ain't going to Florida for that right now. <laughs> Probably not. So, you know. Not in his condition, anyway. No, hell no. So. Unless he was already yeah, in Florida. Maybe maybe, maybe that's where he was, partying like all the rest of the guys down in Florida. If you're in Florida, that's possible. Yeah, they basically shut down Miami Beach. They were they were protest <laughs> they were they were protesting that shutdown, my friend. I don't know. We're not gonna get political on it, but maybe the professor was there and he can tell us about it next week. I don't know. We're gonna find out. Either way, he was hung out. over. So I, next, I, I, everybody bombard all of our social medias with uh, not even get well soon. Just just give him like show him that you guys care that he just didn't show up. He didn't find you guys important enough. We should probably put up a poll on Twitter this week. You know, do you think the (laughs) professor had alcohol poisoning? Do you think he was in Miami? We should put up a poll. Ah, geez. Anyways, we'll see what our listeners think is really going on with the professor. Uh, we've had a lot of fun here in the open, but I think that these, these fine people came to listen to us talk about horror stuff. So let's jump into the horror news. Mike C. I can do that. I can do that. So we've got some sad news to pass along uh, to start the show this week to start the news section uh the great Yafit Kodo Kodo Yafit Kodo we didn't know how to pronounce his name before the show Rich uh Rich figured it out it was Yafit Kodo mm-hmm. and uh sadly he passed away at the age of 81 this past week uh he of course was best known uh for his roles in Alien uh, as well as uh a certain movie that uh that we're pretty fond of here I can't think of the name of it it was a sequel it was the sixth one in a series of movies I can't think of the name, Rich. Maybe you could remind us. So uh, he will not be returning for the uh, re- remake of Freddy's Dead, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so but he that was, was tough in the for me. Freddy's Dead. He was in Freddy's Dead, but I, it was tough for me because I was like, "Oh man, I loved him in Freddy's." I loved Yafakoto. I, I loved him in Alien too. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, well, I also loved him. I loved him. He was one of the best parts of actually seriously one of the best parts of Freddy's Dead because he was one of he really the, was. one of the characters that was like you're like okay I can relate to this character and it's not so like goofball and out there he kind of held it together and gave you all the backstory of course about the dream demons and stuff if you guys yeah. know you and he know was one he was. bad dude oh man I love my my favorite part though was his first encounter with Freddy like yeah. remember when he's in the dream world and Freddy comes and tries to scare him he's just like what are you gonna do. <laughs> like he's the only man on the planet just was gangster in the dream world and just told Freddy to basically to fuck off. Like that, right. remember that's how it happens. That's how it all goes down. And he wakes himself up because he can do that. Because remember he has complete control of his dreams. Yeah. So it was kind of for to me it was hilarious because it's like this dude meets Freddy. Everybody's terrified of Freddy, especially in the dream world. And then boom, here we go. We got Yafit Kodo just like you know what? I don't care about you. You ain't nothing. So, yeah, so we, we want to send our condolences to his uh, fans and to his family. 
So Yafakoto, rest in peace, passed away at the age of 81. Uh, also, uh, news to pass along about another another passing. Um, this one we're not going to spend a lot of time on uh, because of the nature of it. But uh, Ronald DeFeo Jr., who, if anybody doesn't know who that is, he is the the guy that murdered his entire family at 112 Ocean Avenue. Uh, in Amityville, New York, that set off the chain of events that eventually became known as the Amityville Horror. Uh, so he passed away in prison at the age of 69. Um, the only reason we're really bringing this up, uh, we don't want to praise or give any kind of praise to a murderer, because this was a very real story. He murdered his mother, his father, his two brothers, and his two sisters. He murdered six people, his entire family. Um, but it just, you know, it, it bears mentioning just because, you know, the Amityville Horror... Um, one of the big horror series, you know, of all time, I would say, even though most of the movies are really awful, um, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the more iconic series or iconic movies of the seventies anyway. Um, so I just wanted to kind of mention that real quickly. Yeah. Get your thoughts on that. Uh, my only tag onto it, like I said, there's no, I, I'm not going to sit there and, uh, you know, glorify them anymore than what has already been glorified and the fact that. Uh, you know, thankfully, the only thing you can really take uh, homage with is that he never got to see any of the money that was created off of the story he created because yeah. uh, the son of Sam Law exists here in the state of New York. Uh, so, you know, that's the, that's the only solace. But I mean, I unfortunately, you know, that uh, he had a peaceful death, in my opinion. Like it's uh, there's a special place in hell for people like him. And that's just my take and my opinion. And uh, I don't buy the story at all. I think it was made up by a guy who was trying to get out of going to prison because he was drugged out and shot up his fucking family. I mean, yeah, technically speaking, exactly there's, what it was. there's zero, there's there, you know, as much as people like it and, you know, people can argue with me in the chat or whatever, however they want to do this. But uh, there's been a, many of serious people who've said there's zero proof that Amityville actually happened. Many of people have studied that fucking house and no other owners had a problem except for allegedly the Lutzes right after. Uh, the, yeah, and I don't think ones. it was so much him that was trying to prop. I mean, he tried to prop it off of it after the fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. more the Lutzes that tried to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I agree with that. I should have said that they were, but he also tried to get his he tried to. greasy hands on some of the He was a little rich, you know, mommy and daddy's boy that was a, had a very serious drug habit, and that's what it was. He basically tried to kill them off to make it look like a hitman, killed them, so he would get his inheritance from them. And obviously that backfired very quickly on him. Thank goodness. Um, it is actually, you know, kind of like uh, a lot of other true crime out there. Um, you know, whether it be, um, you know, the Zodiac, whether it be Ted Bundy, whether it be any of them, it's actually a fascinating story. And if we ever get into any like true crime stories, cause they are horrific. Uh, if we ever get into any like segments on that, this is one that would really be interesting that we could talk a lot about. Yeah. Just because a lot of the things that happened, not so much with the DeFeos, but the true tragedy that did occur there, there's some very creepy and interesting things that occurred with that whole scenario. Um, so, again, we're not going to glorify it here right now, but eventually we might kind of circle back to it and talk, talk about, about it, this yeah. because it is an interesting topic. Um, but, you know, we just wanted to mention it. So Ronald DeFeo, dead at the age of 69. Yes. And, uh, and as you would say, rest in hell. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. He's got a special place waiting for him. Uh, so on to much bigger and better news here this week. Uh, so over the last, I don't know, six months or a year, there's been a couple of times that we spoke about a new Texas Chain 
Chainsaw Massacre movie that was coming, that was going to be produced by Fetty Alvarez. Um, we didn't know anything about it. We knew that he was going to be producing it, not directing it, so there was a glimmer of hope. But it sounded like it was just going to be another remake. The The directors that were originally on board were let go two weeks. Was it one week or two weeks into filming, and they were replaced? It was, it, I think was, it was one week. It was it was 10 days, I think. I do believe it was. It was, it was, it was, it was I think it was like 10 or 11 days almost exactly. Yeah, it was within two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, which just made it sound like it was going to be even more of a dumpster fire. And we kind of wrote this one off. We kind of had a laugh at their expense. And then fast forward to this past weekend. And we have got some pretty big news that came out about this. And all of a sudden I'm intrigued and I can't wait for this movie to come out. It's already finished filming. Uh, it's supposed to be out sometime this year. And I really can't wait to see this at this point. It might still be a big giant dumpster fire, but, um, but here's what we know. So Fetty Alvarez, first of all, spoke with the boo crew uh, and announced that uh, the new, the new movie uh, is actually going to be a sequel to the original movie. So we're going to stop right there. And I, I presented this uh, to our, our chat, <laughs> our team chat, and was basically like, okay, so they're making a remake of a remake of a sequel. Yes. So, so that we know that. So basically, <laughs> basically they're going. So before we had Halloween 2018, we all remember that they did the direct sequel of the, the Leatherface movie. <laughs> Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Texas 3D. Chainsaw I believe 3D, it was yeah. 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Y- yes, and that fell on death. Now, mind you, I don't, I don't mind this play now because we're in a post Halloween 2018 world where this seems mm-hmm. to be all of the rage to make like direct sequels to things uh, and get rid of the the lineage. Uh, right. So I'm not, I'm not surprised about this, but it did fail before. So that gives you a little, like at first, you, like when you think about it failing in like 2011 or whatever the year was that uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D came out, you're kind of like, okay, this could still be bad. This still could be a dumpster fire or like the three different remakes we've already had and the prequels. We, we had like what, two different prequels. And you're just kind of like, okay, this could be a dumpster fire because a lot of them have been. But then you also have to remind yourself in somewhere, and, and unless your name is Mike C, everybody tends to think that Halloween 2018 was a great way to get the Halloween series back on track. Worst um, movie ever. Now, that's fine. Once again, though, but you have to agree with me that most people do not share that sentiment. And that's that's, right. that's why Hollywood is going around trying to find things that they can do similar things with, not just in the horror realm either. Because we've seen other movies now, like mainstream movies, who have had sequels who got rid of them and kind of directly. It's it's a weird world we live in right now. But, uh, you know. Very true. Uh, so I can see this going from that news. I can see this going either way, though. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. I, unfortunately, I don't always hold out hope for whatever. Also, the fact that they're, uh, are they, they're just calling it Texas Chainsaw, right? Or. Uh, I believe it's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, so they're going back to the original title. So they're doing they're, they're pulling they're Halloween doing a Halloween Scream twenty twenty one and and Wrong Turn twenty twenty one or no Wrong Scream Turn twenty twenty one. It's it's Scream twenty twenty two because it comes out January twenty twenty two. That's right. But yeah, it would have been so, out this year. But. Yeah, but at least with Scream though, that's not erasing anything. That's just a sequel. Correct. They're just going straight sequel Correct. mode. Correct. But uh, yeah, I know, and, and Wrong Turn, I, that wasn't even, uh, that movie should have just kept the name Wrong Turn, The Foundation, because it was not about anything worth Wrong Turn. I still maintain if that movie had just been called The Foundation and had nothing to do with Wrong Turn, that it would have been a better movie. I agree with you. It still got messy in the middle, but it would have been, I, I, been better. I agree with you, because I like the kills. That's that's about it. Right. But uh, okay, so 
what uh, move on to so, another because I know we have a bunch of well, this. Well, let's let's pick back up with that. So we're going to unpause this. You know, okay. Now, now that we mentioned that it's going to be a sequel to the original movie, so uh, Fetty Alvarez stated that uh, it's actually the same character as the original movie, but much much older, and he called him Old Man Leatherface. Oh, so we're going to make Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan. Yes, it's it's going to be Leatherface versus Logan. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, whenever I hear like old man, I mean, once again, we're just taking out of the Halloween playbook because we got old yeah. man Michael Myers. So, I mean, uh, once again, here we are taking out of that same playbook. One And once again, it, it goes back to my previous comment. This could be either really good or really bad, depending really upon bad. where we go. Uh, so, so can, unpause, continue on. Yeah, another uh, interesting note. Um, this is the, the last thing that, you know, I'll say about with Fetty Alvarez. Uh, mentioned on the book with his interview with the boo crew um so he actually stated that he, the, the film was uh made using vintage vintage uh lenses and used all practical effects every in every possible situation and he said that it was very very similar to how evil dead was filmed um, so he said that it actually is very very similar in looks to the original movie okay now now you've piqued my interest again that's what got me more than anything was was that last statement that he made yes i agree so that that piques my interest something fierce it really does you know i kind of wonder you know is are they did they rebuild the sawyer house are we going to get to see that is he still living in that house um you know what 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 is he going to be up to what kind of hijinks is leather old leather face up to you know, so as long as they put that music behind it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, his brother got run over by a semi in his front, you know, out in the front of the house, his father or whatever brother, whatever the old man was, you know, he'd be long gone now. So, you know, is grandpa still alive? He could be he could be 250 years old and still, you know, slipping blood out of victims fingers. You know, we don't know. We're going to find out. Unfortunately, we don't get any chop top, though. Yeah, I don't think that we're going to see Chopped Up, but you never know. You know, it hasn't been, it hasn't come out that uh, that Bill Mosley was cast in this film, but he's really kind of, you know, been pandering to the crowd trying to get back into the series. He wants to bring that that character back. So could it be a, you know, big surprise return? Maybe. Doubt it. Not expecting it. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this because, you know, I, I Texas Chainsaw 3D is a movie I've seen many, many times. Believe it or not, I've seen that more than Halloween 2018. And there are things that I do like about it. I don't hate it as much as everybody else did. I don't think it's a great film by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there were some things. I, I liked the opening scene, how they, they filmed it to make it look like it was picking up right after the events of the original. Um, the, you know, So there were certain things I liked, but is it going to just be another group of 20-somethings that show up at some house and Leatherface is in the basement and... You know, his his mother that we previously didn't know whisked him away there after the events of the original. You know, are we basically going to get that movie all over again or are they going to take it a different direction? You know, it's 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 something that it could go either way. Like you said, it could be really good. It could be really bad. It could end up being worse than that. We're going to find out. But the one thing, the one piece of glue that holds this together for me is Fede Alvarez. We know his track record. Yes, he's not directing it, but he's running the show. You know, so time will tell. Okay. Um, so I thought that that's where the story was going to end for this segment for this week. But while sitting back, taking a couple days vacation, watching some March Madness, all of a sudden 
our friends over at bloodydisgusting.com broke not one, but two huge, huge casting stories. So the first is that it was announced that a gentleman by the name, I'm not familiar with his work, I've never heard of him whatsoever, but a gentleman by the name of Mark Burnham, who starred in a movie called Low Life, I'm not familiar with that movie, um, was cast to play the brand new Leatherface. Um, so, so we have our Leatherface. We, we know who's going to be playing him. Again, I am not familiar with his work whatsoever. Maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, I, I've, I have not seen any of his work, but I have. Uh, I reached out to a couple of people, and they said that uh, he's very good. That they, okay. that they, that they like the choice. There's a, there was a lot of people that uh, uh, when I there's just interacting with, they were like, oh, this is a great choice. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, so I'm going to take their word for it because, like I said, whenever I defer, whenever I don't know, I kind of defer to people that I know and uh, are into this genre, and they, they say that it, he's good. So I'm I'm That's, all right with it until I see otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. All you got to do is be a be a big guy and carry around a a chainsaw and maybe do a chainsaw dance. Exactly. You know, just kind of lumber around. There's not much. You know, I mean, there was there was a lot that Gunnar Hansen brought to that part. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, it hasn't been matched in any iteration of it. Um, I, I do think that um, Andrew Bernarski did a great job playing him in the remake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he may have been even more menacing in that one, but there was something about Gunnar Hansen's work in the original that I really, really liked. Well, here's the thing. After you have an act, uh, and I mean, I, this is no uh, you know, way of judgment against anybody who's played the character or any other character, but once you have somebody play a role that's iconic, you just kind of have to, like, especially in the in the case of like a Leatherface or a Jason or a Michael Myers, you just kind of have to copy and paste. Like the actor or the stuntman who's behind it just needs to copy and paste, i.e., Ever since Kane Hodder, and I understand we've only had a couple guys don the mask since Kane Hodder, but ever since Kane Hodder, uh, everybody follows certain characteristics of Jason, like the head snap, the you know, the turn the head before you move the body stuff. You know, like you know, prior to him, we've had some great guys that did that work as well. You know what I mean? There was a lot of things that Kane Hodder borrowed from from C.J. Graham and, and and others before him. You know what I mean? But right. at the same time, there's some iconic stuff. So you just kind of have to copy and paste. And and, and so the, the template's out there to take from this guy, take from this guy, take from this guy. In this case, you just go back to his performance. And if you want to add a little more, you go to the, the remake, you know, the 03 remake performance. And you take right. you take a you take a, a, a little bit from each one, a little bit from column A, a little bit of column B. You make column C and you'll be all right. And as long as you right. do that, I think you're fine. I would agree. I would agree. You know, and again, time will tell. You know, we'll find out exactly what he can do with the role. But, um, you know, if your sources say he's good, that's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I kind of thought, well, we got, we got you know, a little bonus uh, material here for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, okay. Okay, that's pretty cool. And then an even bigger story broke. And that was, so since the original movie, uh, we know in the original movie the final girl was, was uh, Sally Hardesty, which was played by Marilyn Burns. And Marilyn Burns actually came back in a couple of the movies playing different characters. Uh, she was a maybe it was the same character, maybe it wasn't the same character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Uh, the last scene of the movie, there's somebody that's in a on a hospital gurney getting pushed along. It's actually the guy that played Franklin in the original movie that's pushing her. Uh, the police officer that, that was there is the same gentleman that played Grandpa in the original movie, and Marilyn Burns was the patient on the bed, so she was in that. Uh, she also uh, in Texas Chainsaw 3D came back as a different character. She was much older. It was before she passed away. Um, and she played 
Leatherface's mother. So she was the the mother of the Sawyer clan. Uh, so we got to see her again in a different role. But Sally Hardesty has never returned to the series. That character has never come back. Now, although it would have been great to get Marilyn Burns back in that role, a role she had played many years before, but unfortunately she did pass away several years ago. So fast forward to now, uh, and I wish the professor was here. Have you seen the movie Mandy yet? Yes, I have. Okay, so you might be familiar with the actress. I have not seen it. I'm not familiar with her. And I, I really hope I'm not going to butcher her name uh, because I'm not familiar with her whatsoever. But her name is Olwyn Fiori. Fiori? Fiori? I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but she was in the movie Mandy. And she has been cast in the role of Sally Hardesty. So Sally is coming back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time since 1974. That's awesome. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I thought she was very good in Mandy. So I do have okay. I do have an experience with her from that movie. And I, I thought she did a very, very good job in that movie. And that movie's got a ton of buzz. Let's be honest. Uh, a right. lot of people uh, love that movie. And it is. It's a it's it's one hell of a it's one hell of a, a uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Trippy ass movie. If you've never seen. It, I don't know if you've seen it or not, Mike. I have. Not. But it's it's, it, it's, it's very trippy fan. So I have zero uh, intention of watching it. That's everybody fine. says it's great. That's fine. It's like I said, it's a super trippy movie though. But uh she just she's really good in it. She's one of the the bright spots of that movie. Not saying that uh, Nick Cage wasn't cuz I think Nick Cage is doing very well in the horror genre. He, I think that's kind of where he belongs and, and and I look forward to every horror movie he does cuz I've liked the ones he's done so far. Uh with that being said though, this is I I think this is great, but I think this is also kind of leading us down the road that they're trying to do Halloween 2018 this movie. In a way. Yeah. I don't know if, if that's exactly how they're going, but it seems like if you're casting her and you're casting an older Leatherface, or you mean Leatherface is older, you're not casting an older, but you know what I mean. You're, he's right. older. So if I, I'm feeling like it's the one that got away. It's kind of like Halloween 2018. <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope that it's still great because sometimes it, it gives me pause, though, because sometimes when you just copy something that's already out there, even though it's good, it doesn't mean your product's going to be good because you're then going to get criticized and then you're going to be uh, compared to the other movie. And like I said, with the exception of yourself, most people loved Halloween 2018. So that means to if something's that high in regard, it's likely that your movie could get shit on. Does that make sense? Right. I just and it kind of makes me wonder if if there ever is another Friday the 13th movie. Let's just assume for one second that your buddy Sean Cunningham uh, you know, gets out of all these lawsuits and they can finally get a new sequel off the ground. Kind of makes me wonder if like movies five through a billion, however many Friday the 13th movies there have been, are going to not exist. And we're going to take it back to like a sequel to like one of the first couple of movies and maybe Alice is still alive. And maybe Jason goes after her. You know, I, I kind of hope that's not what they do with Friday the 13th. But it kind of makes me wonder, are they going to follow the same formula as Halloween and this movie? Who knows? They might They might just uh, go ahead and do that. I mean, I would hope not. I would like to have an, more of an original. I understand that in the world it's not really that original, but I'd like to have more of an original story for, for Friday the 13th. Uh, on, on a uh, separate news, though, fuck Sean Cunningham. Yes, that, that was our next story. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's all that I have to say. About. I, I second that. Okay, good stuff. Your friend and mine. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. We're, we're buds. We hang out all the time. <laughs> yeah, people think that this is like an animosity between, you know, you and him, but no, it's 
it's just fun and games. It is. We're just we're just. And as two, you know, it's all fun and games till someone gets hurt. That's right. Two beans in a pod. We are. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so we've been waiting for a while uh, for American Horror Story season ten, and of course it got delayed because of COVID. Because COVID ruined the world. Uh, but it's it's uh, going to be coming at some point this year, and we finally got a title for this season. And this was kind of big news. Um, you know, I'm I, again, I'm kind of iffy with this series in general, but um, they finally announced that the title for the new season is going to be called American Horror Story Double Feature. And that is kind of where the interesting part comes in, because it's not going to be telling one story this season. It's going to be telling two. There's going to be two completely independent stories that are being told. And all that Ryan Murphy stated was one story will be by the sea, one story will be by the sand. Interesting. I mean, it's something different, and they've been known to shake it up. Uh, so I'll just hold until we it comes out, and I can judge for myself. Uh, it's hit or miss with me with American Horror Story. I like I like some seasons a lot, and then when seasons are bad, they're just real bad in my opinion. So we'll find yeah. out here. I'm, I, I've said this many times on the show, but I'm really glad that I kept 1984 going because <laughs> I almost turned it off after like the first or second, third episode and didn't want to watch the rest of it. And boy, am I glad I stuck with it because man, was it fun. I was going to say it that ended was up really being good. so much fun because it just didn't take itself very seriously. It got campy and uh, it was the first one that was more of a comedy than anything. Uh, but I had some very heartwarming scenes in it by the end. So courtesy of John Carroll Lynch, who is one of the most underrated actors on the planet. Yeah, I loved it a lot, so I'm glad I stuck with it as well. Uh, Blumhouse. Seems like every week we're talking about Blumhouse here on the show, and uh, we got more news from them. So Blumhouse, uh, you know that back in 2020, um, and I believe uh, carrying over to 2021, uh, they had signed a deal with Amazon to bring uh, several movies. I believe they called it Welcome to the Blumhouse or something like that. Yeah, that's what they called it. Answer the Blumhouse. Something with the Blumhouse. Um, I, I only watched one or two of those and they were kind of, eh, but, um, you know, they, they, that, that was kind of a big story at the time. Uh, well, they've now signed a deal with the premium network epics to bring eight brand new horror films exclusively to that network. Uh, the first of which is going to be called a house on the Bayou. And, uh, they're hoping that it's going to premiere in December of this year with the other seven films premiering in 2022. Mm, interesting. I mean, I'm always game to check out what they got going on. Uh, right now, with all the you know, with everything uh, going on and with the streaming services and everything, including the huge NFL deal that they got, uh, I'm I'm looking at this is always a win because everybody's trying to get the next best thing. And I know with Epics, they're going to be putting it on their streaming site as well as their pay channel because they have a streaming site. Because let's be honest, everybody fucking has a streaming site at this point in juncture. But right. Uh, this is a good thing to launch with because people love horror. People love Blumhouse. I mean, it's a win-win for them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm glad that Epix will eventually have it on their streaming service, too, because I did recently uh, re-download that app. Um, what I'll say about that app is it works better than it used to. The old one, had, it was very glitchy, and it had a lot of problems. The downside is, is it kind of like all the other networks, there's a lot of content on it, but at one point in time, just the horror movie section alone, they had like thousands of horror movies. Most of them were like really like bad B and C movies that were on there. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. That's where I saw Pinocchio's revenge. The classic that that was, 
Um, so, you know, they, they don't have nearly as much content as they once did. It's, it's pretty limited. Uh, but you know, they're trying, they're, they're trying to get with the, the rest of the, the services that are out there. So, you know, this is, this is a good move. Um, Epics does show a lot of horror movies. It's not all horror, but they do show a lot of them. And, uh, it's, it's, I'm anxious to see how these are going to turn out. Yeah, absolutely. I think this will be a good, this is a bucket of win for them, no matter how you cut it. Um, so this just came out within uh, the last 24 hours. Resident Evil, uh, as we knew, there was a new movie that's coming. There's a lot of stuff going on with Resident Evil in that series. Uh, but there is a new film that's coming. It's basically a remake. Uh, and we got a title for that one now, too. It's going to be called Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. And uh, it's apparently drawing a lot of inspiration from John Carpenter films, hmm. uh, specifically uh, Assault on Precinct 13 and The Fog. Interesting. I'm... I hear anything takes, takes uh, any kind of... Uh, inspiration from the fog and i'm all in i was gonna say i'm i'm intrigued by this i'm definitely gonna be checking this out for sure uh you know i never saw much of the uh the series of resident evil movies i know that they didn't much there were some characters from from the video games but they kind of did their own story is my understanding i've only seen bits and pieces of them i never had any interest in watching them and when i did try to watch i did not think they were good at all um, but I like the video games, and they're saying that this is actually going to follow the first two video games. It takes place in 1998, uh, tells the events of Raccoon City, uh, being under siege from zombies. Um, they've also uh, mentioned that it's going to Spencer Mansion and Raccoon City Police Department are going to be featured in the film. So that's kind of interesting, too. Um, so, you know, this is one that I'm actually interested in seeing now. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, I, I, I saw the news and I was kind of hesitant when I first heard it break. But then uh, with this news, I'm like, hey, you know what? This is definitely going to be something I'm going to check out. And then the last piece of news that I have for this week, uh, we anybody that listens to us has got to know by now that we love our fan films. And uh, there's, you know, there there's going to be uh, a story that you're going to be doing eventually on the show talking about an unmade sequel uh, to the original My Bloody Valentine. But we're actually getting a new fan film called Valentine's Bluffs. Um, it's going to be a direct sequel to the original movie. It takes place 40 years later. Uh, crowdfunding is going to begin on April 22nd through Indiegogo for this. And uh, they did like a, there's a short um, like teaser trailer that they have for it. And I'll tell you what, if it's any indication of how this film is going to look, it, it was filmed just flawlessly. It, it looks like an actual big production. Um, I don't know if you read the article or not, but they actually they went to great lengths to make an exact replica of the minor mask from the original movie. And they said it's not easy. Those aren't laying around these days. So they had a hard time doing that. But they they made uh, a pretty, pretty good replica of it. And uh, it looks awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm all in, and I love the fan films. I love it when they pay attention to uh, details. This looks like a super cool idea, so I, I'm definitely going to be following this one and supporting it whenever it comes out. So uh, I'm digging it. There's uh, lots of good news here. So good on them. Good make news. sure make sure if you want to support it to to go ahead and uh, fund it when it goes up. That's it for the news this week. Oh, that's it? Oh, wow, we finally hit the end of the news. If you guys would like to talk about anything we just talked about in the news, or just uh, you know, just give us a shout-out and say what's up, or even to chastise and judge the professor for uh, playing hooky with his hangover, you can, do that, uh, you can, you can uh, do that over on our social medias. 
uh, HorrorZone607 on Facebook. Like and share that page. We're at HorrorZone607 on Twitter and Instagram. Whenever you talk about the show, use that hashtag HZ607. Of course, you can find all the information about us and all the information about what we're doing around here at 8122productions.com. And if you would like to support the show monetarily, you can do that on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and you help us do what we do here. And of course, that's patreon.com slash 8122productions. Mike C., I do believe you have a trivia question. You better believe I do. So this week's Horror Zone 607 trivia question is kind of taking us back to a story that we talked about last week. We know that Rob Zombie is looking into making a Monsters film. We talked a lot about it. Well, I wanted to give you kind of an easier question this week. I was going to save this one, but because the professor's not here, I've got a couple that I think that he might nail, uh, and I wanted to save them for when he's in the studio. So I'm going to give you an easy one this week. On the 1960s comedy series, The Monsters, there were five main characters. Name them. Once again, this week's question. On the 1960s comedy series, The Monsters, there were five main characters. Name them. The answer, coming up right after this break. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Tuffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, and you're listening to Rich and Mike on the Horror Zone 607 Podcast. Welcome back to The Zone. Before the break, I asked this week's Horror Zone 607 trivia question. On the 1960s comedy series The Monsters, there were five main characters. Name them. Rich, do you have an answer? Okay, so I, I hope I got get it right because I the mother's name, I, I, I always confuse it with uh, the Adams family. So we're going to start with the oldest and go work our way down. So we'll go with Grandpa. That's the yes, easy one. that's one. We got Herman. Two. Lily. Three. Eddie. That's four. And then, of course, the normal one, the real scary one, Marilyn. She was the ugly duckling, yes. Yes. Marilyn Munster. <laughs> there we go. That was correct. A and then, and then uh, I do believe the pet was Spot, correct? I believe that was yeah, I think so. It lived under the stairs and it was some kind of dragon that breathed fire. We don't you don't yeah, really get to see not, it. We, we never did quite find out, I don't think. You, you saw the stairs come up and fire come out a couple of times, but yeah. you didn't really see spot. But you yeah. didn't see spot though. Good stuff. Uh <laughs> like, I, I, I was mixing up, I was like in my head I was like, Man, Morticia kept Morticia kept popping in and I'm like, no, Morticia's the Adam family. I knew that. And I'm like, well, what I found out another interesting trivia question. I was kind of like, I went down the old rabbit hole on Wikipedia after I like did this question as I was bringing like putting it together, and um, they said that in the first season because there was only two seasons of the monsters, um, in the first season of it, Lily had the white streak through her hair, 
and they said in the rest of the series that she didn't. It was just all black hair, and I don't remember that. I always seem to remember her having that white streak. So don't I. I don't know, but it's been a while since I saw the monsters, though. So yeah, I could I be wrong. It in years. All right, Mike, are you ready for the talking horror segment? I couldn't be more ready. All right, so last week we reviewed. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And we told you there was going to be part of a two-parter because in the What Could Have Been series, where we discuss movies that could have been made, whether they had a treatment, an idea, or whatever, but it's very public knowledge and confirmed, uh, you know, we, we discovered that there was plans for a sequel. As a matter of fact, if you believe the writers of this movie, there was plans for a franchise. Uh, yep. We'll talk about, uh, as a matter of fact, they went on to say, uh, I do believe, I, I want to give it, a, it was Scott Glosserman who said this. Scott Glosserman said that they had, and I quote, uh, three movies planned out because you have to do a trilogy, right? Uh, they do not go into details necessarily about the third movie at all, but they did an, they did an interview uh, with Bloody Disgusting because Bloody Disgusting does a uh, an editorial piece that they call Phantom Limbs. And uh, that is kind of what... They do the same thing as we do. Kind of, I mean, they've been doing it longer, so I guess we should give them more credit. But Phantom Limbs is uh, a thing on Bloody Disgusting where an edit, they do an editorial. And a lot of times get interviews with people involved with movies that didn't get made. And that makes my job researching a lot easier. And there was a couple other sources that we plugged into, a couple other interviews, whether it be bod- podcast interviews or radio or YouTube interviews with uh, both, the, uh, both of the creators, if you will, David J. Stevie and Scott Glosserman who wrote the movie and co-created the movie together. So uh, let me kind of paraphrase. I'm not going to quote too much of what they said in the interview, but there's an interesting thing because this is kind of not a one-parter, not a two-parter, but a three-parter of the same thing. So basically the movie was going to be called Before the Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon. Now, (laughs) that does sound a little weird and problematic, right? The name is Before the Mask. And then it's also tagline the return of Leslie Vernon. So it's a sequel, not a prequel. But, you know, before would assume a prequel, correct? You would think so. One would believe that. Well, I'll tell you why. Because the sequel was going to be meta just like the original. Because it was going to take place on shooting of a movie uh, about the events of Behind the Mask. That's right. We were were going to get... A movie where we basically went ahead and had, you know, the events of Behind the Mask were going to be made in a movie, much like Stab was in the Scream world. They were going to do that in this world, which is quite crazy. And that was what was going to make or break, if you will. I'm trying to get the exact name of the movie because it was it's entwined in this whole gigantic article. Uh, it was The Harvest Murders. So The Harvest Murders yes. were going to deal with... Uh, the 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 story. Remember, Leslie Vernon wasn't real. He was made up, anyways. Uh, so as you find out watching behind the mask, so they were actually going to do the backstory of the Leslie Vernon character, not the actual murderer, but the actual myth that he created of murdering his mother and father and then being thrown in the wa- over the waterfall. <laughs> right. Uh, if you remember that correctly. Uh, That was what they were going to actually remake. So they weren't really remaking, and then they were going to remake, and then inside of that is where they were going to, his return as well. So it was going to be a a, a counter kind of active. So basically what happens is as they go into filming this movie, uh, Taylor, of course, the hero, the survivor girl of the movie, was going to make her return because they needed somebody to give them 
you know, firsthand information. And she finally agreed to do it after seeing, I, I think there was some, they said that she was going to see some like raw footage and think it was so horrible that she had to come and help them. And, right. and so she comes and kind of gives them an interview and they, we, we were building the process. So it's almost shot like a documentary because her and Doug come back to talk about it. Well, in the meantime, uh, Leslie Vernon, who is in a psychiatric home, uh, is really, really upset doing interviews about how bad it is that they're doing this movie and that they're getting it all wrong and they're ruining everything. And he makes enough noise that somehow, a la Psycho 2, he gets out of the psychiatric unit and they bring him on as a, as a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> so this gets our reintroduction of, ta- uh, of Taylor and... Oh, no, actually, the way they get him out is because somebody starts murdering people on the set. A real yes. killer starts right in the set. And then he comes as a consultant, also as a way to prove that he's not the killer. <laughs> like, it's, it's, right. a weird, it's a weird thing because uh, Taylor goes, was going to go to Gene and Jamie and, and get a hold of him. And that's how that all works out. Sorry, I missed that big part of backstory. So now we're on the set, and Taylor and, and Leslie, this is the first time they've been around each other. And believe it or not, sparks start to fly again. They, 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 they reinstall some of their chemistry while people are dying around them and people are sure that it's not Leslie because people are dying while Leslie's with other people, which is interesting. Fast no forward, surprise there. They don't ever tell us the killer, by the way. They do tell us it's a murder mystery and that you'll be shocked when you find out who the real killer is. Like, that was what it was going to be. They're not giving away just in case it ever happens. They didn't want to give away who the real killer was in this movie. Uh, but it goes on, and basically, you see them interacting with their film selves. So they have actors playing <laughs> the roles of them, and they're interacting with them, and they're now in a situation where they're all trying to survive because they're being killed by a real killer. Uh, intriguing, to say the least. And that's basically the movie in a nutshell, because I'm going to start with the movie. Uh, how do you feel about what was going to be before the mask, the return of Leslie Vernon? Um, you know, I, I'd be all for it. It was, uh, interesting that the comic book series, again, I've only got the first couple of, uh, issues well, of it. I, I still need to get the rest. I will throw that out there. That was going to be part two. So I can, I might as well throw it out there. They did make a comic book series that was kind of tied into this way. The way that a movie we'll talk about in the future, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash was also done in comic form. They did do a comic series about this. So I just, that was part two of this, but we'll just throw it in there so you can make your comments. Go, go ahead. Yeah. And you know, that's again, the first couple of issues anyway, it's basically everything that you said. So they, that's the direction, maybe because they knew they weren't going to be able to get to the sequel, um, you know, the movie itself. So that's what they decided to do. I don't know, but, but that is uh, what you basically get with, uh, with the comic book series. And it was hysterical. It was great. It was, it was very well done. Um, (laughs) The, the, uh, the characters look exactly like the actors did like, uh, um, Robert England is there. <laughs> Everybody's there. The whole gang is there again. Uh, and it was interesting. I just, I got to get the rest of them. Uh, maybe I'll do that this week. Cause I, I really want to get them and read them. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's something I, I, the way that the movie left off, it was fine if they'd never make another one, but I've always wanted to see another sequel with everybody that was involved with the first one coming back. And it seems like everybody that was involved wanted to do it. Uh, one thing that they mentioned in that article that, that you uh, got the inspiration for this piece on, um, he did mention that the original one just didn't make the money that they were hoping for. So they couldn't really 
get anybody on board, any studios on board to do it. Yeah, they um, uh, they they said that it wasn't as big of a success, but it became a cult. By the time it became a cult classic, was about two thousand nine. Uh, people were it, there was a lot of fan base, and uh, we're going to talk about in two thousand nine. There was a lot of things that changed because this script was written literally at the same time the movie was being made, the original movie. Right, and so now. Uh, and they wanted to get it done, and they wanted to do it, I do believe, in 07, and there just was no interest and no money in it. But by 09, this uh, Behind the Mask had garnered enough like acclaim from fans that it was there was some feasibilities that we're going to talk about in a second. So, yeah, it, they were definitely not getting the money they thought. And it's a shame. Uh, you know, again, I still say that the original one is criminally, criminally underrated. Um, my opinion and always, it always will be my opinion. It's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Um, also one of the great comedies of all time. It's just, it's a, it's a perfect movie. And I just don't think that people that disliked it or just kind of thought that it was meh just are not slasher movie films uh, or uh, excuse me, slasher movie fans. Um, I just, I mean, that's, that's going to be my opinion on it. Cause it's so good. It is so good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen this. I think that it would have been the perfect uh, follow-up to it, the way that they were doing it. You don't know how it would have been executed. Maybe it wouldn't have been as good. It probably wouldn't have been as good. But who knows? So, you know, we'll so, never know. So where this came back, though, is in, there's a couple things that happened in 2009. And that's why I come in. So originally he had the script, and he wrote most of it, and then he put it away when there was no interest. Then in 2009... Uh, there was, like I said, it became a cult following. There was some interest again, and there was a couple things. So we'll talk about the movie first because I think this is fun. I, I want to quote him on this because this was uh, really, really, really fun. Uh, well, actually, there's two things I want to quote. First of all, uh, Glosserman went on to say about uh, Before the Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon was eventually completed in late 2009 as the story for this uh, continuation was to act as a sequel, prequel, and remake all at once. The script was referred to as a spree make. <laughs> There you go. That's kind of it. I, I, I thought I loved that part of it because it was a spree make. But uh, talking about the uh, possibility of it coming back, he talks about people involved with the project, whether it was actors or other people. And here's what they were saying. A number of people had come back to me and said, honestly, what you should do, Scott, uh, you're like some obscure Scandinavian film that somebody does a feature adaptation of and cast it up. What you really should do is you should walk into Dimension and get them to make the movie again for $20 million and cast Ethan Hawke as Leslie Vernon. You've made your proof of concept and it clearly has a cult following, but now you should make it with a real commercial budget and some notable cast. That was, I, I, that was and I suppose still is a looming opportunity, but it doesn't bring the band back together. It doesn't bring back the soul of what we had when all of us went out and did what we did so i love the fact that people had pitched him on the idea that they should just recast it reshoot it re just redo the movie because there was a concept for it and he's and, and but with a bigger budget and with bigger stars and he was like yeah you could do that it could happen in the future uh but you know what i want to do i want to get the band back together and do that so i thought that was really kind of telling yeah, and, and honestly i mean the heart and soul of that entire movie was nathan basil playing leslie Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to see anybody else playing that role. So here's what happened in 2009 to spark all of this talk, by the way. So there's the, there's, there's, here's the third part. Here's the fun one. And I really want to talk about this because I think it was funny. So do you remember back in 2009 and even before then, but in 2009 it was real, real hot. There was a property on MSNBC called To Catch a Predator. Yes. Uh, do you remember that show and what they did? 
So for all of you at home, if you don't remember, uh, they had a guy named Chris Hansen host the show. And basically they would have a, a young girl typing on the computer uh, trying to lure sexual predators. Of course, she wasn't young. She was actually a police officer doing it, but she was portraying a like 13-year-old, 12-year-old, whatever. And then when that person showed up at the house, Chris Hansen would come out and have a chat with them before they left and were arrested uh, promptly. Uh, a lot of controversy happened with that show as far as legal ramifications, but they were doing the Lord's work. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. And a lot of us were entertained by that show because uh, it used to be <laughs> on all hours of the night. And when you're drunk, sometimes the, the funniest shit is what these idiots fucking do. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So to that, Abic, uh, with the you, but you're going rich. How does this have anything to do with Behind the Mask in 2009? Well, I'm glad you asked because... MTV had seen, you know, being young, hip, you know, still trying to be that hip uh, thing back then, even though they were away from music videos. They were like, well, why don't we do a property that's kind of like to catch a predator, only not real. But we don't <laughs> want to do it with pedophiles. We want to do it with serial killers slash movie killers. So basically they were, Scott Glassman says, we were thinking about the sequel the whole time, uh, but the next move, uh, I was he, uh, it, he got called in for pitching an MTV films around 2009 on this TV series idea where Taylor goes to uh, run a school for survivor girls. This was when MSNBC was still doing To Catch a Predator. We thought it would be great if we had Taylor doing the horror version of To Catch a Predator, where Taylor would lure a, a would-be killer into a frat house or some party, and then all the lights would come up, and he's caught. Taylor would come out with a microphone and interview the guy, and then he gets arrested by the cops. So that was going to be a TV series. Interesting. <laughs> so how do you feel about, I thought this was intriguing as hell. I don't know if it would have worked, but how do you feel about to catch a predator style behind the mask in mix in survivor girls school kind of uh, thing going on? So considering that the movie, a lot of people don't know uh, of the, of the movie and of the story. Uh, I don't know that it would have worked. I am completely intrigued by it. I would love it. You know, if they did that, I just don't know that it would actually work. I, I don't know how successful they would be considering, you know, if they're complaining that they didn't make enough money and it wasn't the, the original movie wasn't successful enough. I don't know that a series would be either, but it would have been awesome. Well, here's the thing, though. You're talking about when they made the movie. That was 06. True. Oh, yeah, by 09, there was a cult following for the movie. Enough. Yeah. There was enough buzz that at least MTV reached out to go, hey, pitch us on something. You see what I mean? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like they were just throwing shit at the wall. Like there was enough of a buzz. So it didn't make when they say they didn't make money, they're talking about it didn't make money in the theaters and on the initial uh, right. DVD launch. It ended up making money in the long run, as, as he later points out. It, it ended up becoming this cult classic. And as so right. many cult classics, they just don't get their due when they come out. So it looks like they failed. You know what I mean? That it. So this goes into a long line of those cult classics where it really is like it found its audience. It just didn't have its audience built in like everybody hoped. So by 09, you're looking at, okay, there is an audience for this. Uh, and it wasn't a risky proposition too too much so because obviously if MTV is going to come and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about giving you a show, I, I think that, that that's kind of a, a stamp of approval, if you will. Yeah, I would agree. And again, I would have loved it. Oh, absolutely. I would have loved it. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that. I, I just think that like that, I, I, that's why I kind of want to warn the people at home. Yes, it failed on the initial run, but by 09 and including up until this day, it is a very successful film as far right. as, as it found an audience or I should say it the other way. Since it's a cult classic, the audience found it. 
because uh, usually when you make a movie, you want the movie to have an audience. You know, the movie has an audience, and this is the other way around. When I think I call classes, I think they do it in reverse. Instead of making the movie with an audience, the audience has to find it, and and the audience did find this one, and that's why you know behind the mask became a gem. That's why here in 2021, doing interviews about possibly making a sequel is still a thing. Uh, I don't right. know if they'll ever do it, but it is still a concept that they could return to. Uh, maybe not that exact idea. They probably have to taper it off because they were planning on doing the uh, this idea was was planned on being a year later. So you know he gets you know he's free. He's in, uh, and I, I did miss up on a point when I was rereading it. He it, he did get caught up, but he escaped and was in hiding. So they were using Taylor and Doug as a way to dry him out. And Taylor and Doug take them to, you know, Gene and Jamie. And once they take them to them, that's when he comes back. Right. So they were trying to draw him out, if you will. Uh, so I did miss, misspoke on that one. But it's still, a, I think it was a great story. Once again, I don't know if you can tell that in 2021. You'd have to change it now because this was a sequel that was literally written for a year. Even if it was made in 2009 or 2010, you could be like, okay, it was a few years later. And it would make sense. But if you wrote this now... It would be kind of weird. I mean, you could keep some of the tenets of it. You could keep the baseline of it, but you would have to change uh, kind of his hiding methods or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. Uh, overall, do you think that you would have loved to uh, see this? Or do you think he was better I, off I would. I still would. Uh, I, you know, again, this was something the first time. I bought this thing on a whim. The, the, the original movie, I, I bought the DVD on a whim. I kind of had some good buzz, but I didn't know what to expect. It was direct to video. It was still at a time where that was kind of a, a negative thing. And, um, you know, I fell in love with it instantly the first time I saw it. And I've loved it more and more and more every time I've watched the movie. So to me to see, you know, a follow up in one way or another, absolutely. The comic book idea, you know, sure, it's great. But I want to see another movie because I think it'll be excellent, especially if you do have everybody back on board. I don't want to see a big studio production. I don't want to see a big budget out of it because it worked the way that it was. So I want to see the team back together, the band back together, so to speak. And uh, I, I would have loved it 10 years ago. I, I love it now. You know, bring me more. Bring me more Leslie. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. I think this is a, a big bucket if they should still make it or something cl- you know, akin to it. Uh, make it happen. Get, you know, as the, the Batista line goes, give me what I want. And I want want more of this, uh, a lot more of this. But you know what? We want to hear from you guys uh, out there listening to us. Do you guys want another? Do you want another sequel? Do you want the sequel to Behind the Mask, whether it's this idea or something similar, you know, uh, inflated for our our day and age and not for 2007? Uh, Let us know. Give us the hit us up, man. Facebook, HorrorZone607, at HorrorZone607 on Twitter and Instagram, hashtag HZ607 talking about the show get that information at 8122productions.com and of course remember if you would like to support us monetarily you can go ahead and get it at patreon.com slash 8122productions and if you join and uh, you send me a message uh, for the, even at the dollar tune you get all the bonus stuff including the show early and you uh, just just throw me a note if you want a sticker I'll send you a Horizon 607 sticker how about that one uh, sounds good to me with, with that being said though Mike C that's all I got for the fine folks today would you like to take them home I would love to do that. So, uh, so thanks, Rich. Thank you for the uh, for the wonderful. Uh, uh, what, what do we call them? Ads, promos, whatever promos? you want to call them. Yeah, promos. 
Thank you. You always do a good job doing that. And thanks for all your hard work, as usual, putting the show together. You're really the glue that holds us together, and we appreciate all your hard work here. So I just want to mention that. Uh, Professor, I want to thank you for a wonderful, wonderful job well done on this show as well. You worked so hard, and uh, you know, keep up the good work. I mean, to be honest, him not showing up was the best thing that could happen to this show. It really was. It really was. So, you know, you worked your tail off, buddy, and uh, we give you two thumbs up here. Four thumbs up, really. You know, you just what – what a bang-up job you did this week. I hope that he can top this show next week. I really do. It's not going to be easy, but I hope that he can top his efforts here for this week. Yep. Thank you, listeners, for each and every week tuning into the show. We love bringing in this content. We love to talk horror. We want to talk with you. Reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Get a hold of us. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to put up a, uh, a poll on Twitter this week, uh, you know, seeing what's really going on with the professor. So, you know, you may or may not see a poll up there this week. But, uh, you know, next week we'll be back. We'll be talking all things horror. We'll be bringing you the week's biggest movie or movie news. And, uh, you know, who knows what else we'll have up our sleeves. So... Until then, for Rich, for the professor, I'm Mike C. Saying, say ah.